0: WDBM East Lansing.
1: Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's
0: Exposure. Exposure.
2: This is Impact Exposure. Uh, my name is Wes. It's good to have you with us. Uh, i got a full show lined up for you tonight. Uh, in a little while, we'll be speaking with uh, uh, Peter from Scene Metrospace to talk about an upcoming exhibit that they're running, or will be running, rather. Uh, and then we'll be speaking with some folks about uh, the National Red Cross Month, followed by uh, the AMA Run for Access to Care for Everyone, a bit of a 5K run to help benefit Sparrow Hospital. And then finally wrapping it up with uh, some folks here from the Homecoming Court. In fact, the Homecoming Court itself will be talking about uh, the uh, applications that, that they're accepting Right now to be on next year's homecoming court. But uh, before we get to any of that, we're sitting down with uh, Stefan and uh, Melissa here from uh, Community Defense Against Poverty. Thanks so much for coming by, guys. Thank you. So now go ahead and give uh, the folks I- an idea about what Community Defense Against Poverty is.
3: Well, we're a new organization that's come together in regards to the housing crisis that's been hitting Michigan along with the country as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, we're out to um, fight against the foreclosures and the evictions that have been happening in Lansing and Michigan beyond. Um, and we really think there's like a very, um, a very important response for this crisis, crisis that's hitting us. And we see our efforts also in connection to the war in Iraq. Hmm. And so we've been working with other Michigan organizations, uh, specifically Macauwi, to get the message across that foreclosures are at a crisis level and that we demand uh, an action and a response from Michigan legislatures. Specifically, we're calling for a moratorium for foreclosures. And this is something that has been done in the past. Here um, in Michigan or, or in, elsewhere? In the 30s, during the Depression. Oh, I see. And uh, we're we're asking Governor Granholm to do this. And because of the historical precedent, we really see this as um, having a good chance, and we're putting a good amount of effort to make that happen.
2: Now, is there a benefit uh, economically to that, or, or is it something that just needs to be done for just kind of a just reaching out to people what's the what's the reason behind that the well, call for that yeah there's a
3: lot of reasons i mean people are getting kicked out of their homes in the winter and right, right. that's that's not acceptable <laughs> it's the worst time yeah. for any reason or for all of them um so we want to have at least you know an indefinite moratorium so people would at least be able to stay in their homes in the in the cold months mm-hmm. but it's also about the broader issues about you know why people are getting get to, kicked out of their homes and um that's kind of what we're about too
2: So now, what would you guys say is the? I mean, if 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 you could, if you had to pick one, you know, prime reason that this is happening more frequently, more often now, what would you say that is?
1: Well, we're definitely in a recession, Mm -hmm. um, as we hear over and over again in the media. Um, We are definitely experiencing, um, you know, the heavy impact um, of the economy in our everyday lives here in Michigan. Um, We've lost 336,000 jobs in Michigan in the last six years, and we're supposed to lose another 33,000 in the next two years. Mm -hmm. And so that is the longest stretch of job loss in the state since the Great Depression. Um, Poverty is definitely on the rise. Um, Across the state, we have children. Living in poverty at rates of twenty percent um, in Detroit, kids are living in poverty at fifty percent. Um, people's utilities are being shut off um, all throughout the year, but especially during the winter. It's especially you know,
2: Sure. So then, the moratorium that you're asking for would that be sort of just for the remainder of the season? Is that for a year? What, what's the the time frame for that?
1: Well. Definitely throughout the winter. And again, like Stefan was saying, um, we're echoing voices from organizers in Detroit um, with the Michigan Emergency Committee Against War and Injustice. Um, And there has been a precedent set for this moratorium. As Stefan was talking about, it happened during the 1930s. Um, But more recently, a governor in Massachusetts. called for a moratorium and their moratorium lasted two months which helps people at least get back on their feet um, and create a plan. Um, So you know we're hoping you know, for at least a ninety-day moratorium, which is more than possible, mm-hmm. um, but obviously a longer one would be better. Um, banks are getting bailed out, right. but homeowners aren't, and our social service agencies and our homeless shelters are being overwhelmed.
2: Mm. So now, in, in, in the case of a moratorium, uh, I'm sure there's there's somebody that's going to. I mean, I don't want to say suffer from this, but there is going to be someone that's. Affected by it, whether it's you know banks, oh, who own the the, the properties or anything, or landlords, that sort of thing. So, what what would you what is being proposed to be done to to to, to counteract that?
1: Well, there's a whole lot of discussion about that. Um, <laughs> it's not an
4: easy issue, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's rather complex. Um, but the thing is, um, we are hearing over and over again in the media. Um, our economists and our legislators talking about the impact on the banks. Mm-hmm. But we're not hearing what kind of impact this has on local economies and on families and communities. And so those are the issues we're trying to raise by calling for this moratorium. Um, again, it's not debt forgiveness. It's right. not saying, you know, okay, cool, you don't have to pay anything back. It's just saying we're not going to kick people out into the street.
2: In the winter. In the winter. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. So it's
2: basically putting a hold on that until we can sort of get get some other things taken care of in the meantime.
1: Because once once homeowners have gone into the foreclosure process, um, it's a very complicated timeline. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a whole series of hoops to jump through, um, and it is especially inaccessible to people. Um, It's a very, very confusing process. Um, And... Say once your house um, goes through sheriff sale, once it's for sale on the market, Mm -hmm. you have a period of six weeks as your redemption to try to find the money to reclaim your home, um, which is nearly impossible for most people. Um, So, um, so it's just it's really it's really quite difficult, um, and if a moratorium were to be in effect, it could give people another couple months to just sort of make a plan and, you know, try to get back on track.
2: Sure. So now uh, I, I was noticing uh, some news articles uh, about your group, you know, appearing in different, uh, you know, different meetings and things like that, trying to get the word out about this. So what's, what's the progress so far? I mean, you're obviously getting the word out. Uh, what's sort of the next step? as far as getting this underway?
3: Well, we're going at this from a really grassroots level. Mm-hmm. We want to get the people that are affected by foreclosures and evictions, um, we want to get them aware of this group, Community Defense Against Poverty. And so what we've been doing so far is trying to get you know press awareness and trying to hand out flyers and show the people that are being affected that there are options that exist, that exist um, for banding together and fighting against foreclosures and evictions. And Melissa will talk about that in a little bit. Um, We've done a couple actions to do that, to get our word out. One was at the State of the State Address by Governor Granholm, and Macawi and Community Defense Against Poverty band together to um, make a a statement that these foreclosures uh, are not acceptable and that we're demanding a moratorium. Mm -hmm. And we've also had actions at the Veterans Memorial Courthouse in uh, Lansing where they do the share sales of foreclosed houses. And we've been getting pretty good responses from the people that are being directly affected. So our next step is basically, you know, trying to instigate like a, a grassroots response to this issue
2: and um get the ball rolling. And has there been anything proposed in any kind of city councils or, or state legislator or anything like that? Are you talking with specific lawmakers? What's the sort of the, the political end of it?
3: Well not yet i mean we're going f- we're going at this from a statewide level, I say, and so we're working with organizations from Detroit, as we mentioned mm-hmm. um and elsewhere, and we feel that the best and really the only reasonable solution on the short term scale is getting a statewide moratorium right. and so that's why we're going after Grant Home
2: to do this I see. Mm-hmm. And of course, being in the Capitol is a pretty good place to start uh, so now, if, if folks are interested in, in getting involved with your with your group whether they've been affected by it directly or they know someone who has or or there's just something that that sort of hits them being a Michigan resident, how would they how would they go about getting involved with uh, community defense against poverty
1: Well, um, a great way to get involved is um, to check out our blog um, you could give us a call or send us an email. Mm-hmm. Um, So we have a phone number. Our phone number is 517-980-6213. And our email is communitydefense at gmail.com. And we're having a community meeting this Saturday, March 22nd at 1 p.m. It will be a potluck. Um, It will be at the North Star Center, which is on the east side of Lansing right off of Michigan Avenue. The address is 106 Lathrop Street. Um, so that would be a great way to get in touch with us.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's I mean uh, whether somebody has been affected already, they're maybe in the middle of it, they you know it's a pot- it's a potential outcome for them. That's yeah. I'm sure that's, you know, those are folks that you want to sp- speak with.
1: Absolutely. And several members of our organization have um, experienced the foreclosure process mm-hmm. um and or are homeowners now that are worried about paying their mortgages. Um, others of us are just community members that are really concerned with these issues because we see it affecting our families or our neighbors.
2: Sure, sure. And you mentioned, of course, the blog, uh, the address for that, communitydefense.wordpress.com. Is that right? Yes. Okay, yeah, there's a lot of great information on there. I was skimming that earlier. I mean, of course, it's got all your recent news highlights on there as well. So, you know, I mean, that's. it looks to me like you guys are really getting the word out there as well. And uh, one other thing I wanted to mention, too, of course, you've got uh, another uh, uh, event that you're connected with. Do uh, you want to mention that real quick?
3: Yeah, part of our work as Community Defense Against Poverty is relating to the broader issues that are affecting the nation, and that's the war in Iraq. Uh, Mm -hmm. From Michigan, the people of Michigan have given $12 billion for the war in Iraq, and we we think this is a complete travesty considering all the suffering and all the evictions that are happening at this time. So we're also sponsoring, along with other groups from MSU and Lansing and East Lansing, an anti-war protest on March 20th at 3 p.m. at The Rock, 3 o'clock at The Rock, and uh, we're we're using this as another way to kind of build momentum and build energy around this issue uh, so we can organize
2: around it further. Just maybe m- directing funds more toward the people here facing yeah. the problems that, that, that we're facing in the state of Michigan. Yeah, right. I mean,
3: you think about all the money, $12 million, you can do a lot with it. Um, that's enough money for, uh, you know, 200,000 public teachers. Um, and then you could put, you know, a million and a half people through Head Start. Or, you know, 100,000 new housing units. So considering the use of this, these resources, we really, really see that, like
2: a direct connection between the foreclosure issues and this illegal war that's happening right now. Sure, sure. Well, we're just about out of time, but uh, just to recap, uh, of course, you've got your meeting. Uh, this Saturday, uh, 1 p.m., uh, it's a potluck over at the North Star Center at 106 Lathrop Street. Uh, just on, It's on the end of uh, Michigan Ave. All right, and uh, of course the uh, the anti-war uh, pro or protest rally. I'm not sure what the uh, the appropriate word for that would be, but so uh, rally than a protest. Yeah. Okay, there we go. So you get both. All right, uh, take back the power. Take take to the streets. Of course, Thursday, uh, three p.m. over at the Rock. Of course, uh, all the information, more information available online at communitydefense.wordpress.com and by emailing communitydefense@gmail.com. Well, Melissa, Stefan, thanks so much for coming by, you guys. Thank you. Thank Anytime you. you want to come back, uh, you're more than welcome. We're gonna take another short break, and we'll be back with more. <laughs> impact exposure in just a moment
0: you're listening to exposure on 88.9 the impact at the football game jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted he starts flexing for the camera he refers to his muscles as gunboats he screams how's this for a halftime show jim streaks the field it's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just
5: a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station.
4: For more variety than you'll hear
1: on any other station, listen to The Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every
6: night of the week.
7: Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on The Impact.
0: Only on Impact Brian. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to exposure. All right, we are back with uh,
2: more impact exposure. We were just speaking with Stefan and Melissa, who are here from Community Defense Against Poverty. Of course, more info on what they're up to can be found at their uh, their blog, basically, at uh, communitydefense.wordpress.com. Uh, moving right along, we're sitting down with uh, Tyler and Amber here from uh, uh, the Red Cross. Thanks so much for coming by, you guys. Oh, thank you so now you uh all month it's, it's march all month uh it's national Red cross month is that right yes, it is so what what are what are you guys up to that, to to celebrate national Red cross month
8: well uh part of what we're doing to celebrate uh American Red Cross month is um I go out and i do community disaster education classes um I go out to local agencies schools churches um really whoever asks and um Talk about disaster preparedness, how best to prepare your family, business, and yourself for um, a disaster.
2: And now, of course, oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, uh, you know, of course, being in Michigan, there's we we have national disasters that maybe other folks don't, you know, tornadoes, things like that. I mean, right. is that do you do you kind of gear it towards certain certain possibilities?
8: Yeah, we gear it towards um, what could happen in this area. Really, the most common disaster is a fire, hmm. um, a house or apartment fire. So we really. T- focus a lot on that. And, um, we focus on tornadoes and flooding, um, and, you know, winter storms, which are common to the area. Sure.
2: Now, is there something you've been focusing on more than others? I mean, you mentioned fires happen more often. Is that something more frequently that you you tell people about or do you just cover it all?
8: Um, it tends to be, we tend to get a lot of questions on fires because usually people have someone in their, their family or community that has been affected by a fire. Mm. So we, we tend to get, um, a lot of requests for, um, uh, community disaster education that focuses on fire prevention and safety.
2: Gotcha. Now, Tyler, of course, I just cut you off a minute ago. No, <laughs> you, okay. you had something else to add.
9: No, I just want to say on the chapter aspect of it that we're um, really pushing on the Red Cross lives. It's a um, an hour session that we hold at our chapter that allows uh, community members throughout Ingham County and throughout our surrounding county areas to come in. And we kind of give them a tour and tell them really what the Red Cross is about because a lot of times we just think that the Red Cross, you know, responds to fires and disasters and things like Blood that, drives but there's and that sort of thing, lots yeah. of things that the Red Cross provide to the community.
2: Excellent. Yeah. And of course, uh, you mentioned that the emergency preparedness, what, what other kind of things might people not know that the Red Cross uh, gets involved with?
9: Well, one of the newer things that I've been involved with is emergency food and shelter, and this is a program that's unique to our county and to the Red Cross here. Is that we allow people who um, who have some type of abandonment of their home, where they've been kicked out of their home because their house isn't to standard, or they're having some type of financial difficulty hmm. and they can't afford to stay, so now they're being kicked out. And we're, we, they can come in, and we provide emergency food and shelter. I see. So um, there's also different types of programs that the Red Cross has, like such as the disaster emergency teams and um, the American, um, where we're providing support to families here, uh, stateside and, um, Soldiers abroad, so that's one of the biggest things that we do too.
2: I see, and of course, we do, we we're just speaking some folks here about uh, uh, the evictions and foreclosures in their right. homes and things like that. Is it something you are are, are more and more connected with as has gone on? Yeah,
9: unfortunately, you know, mm. it's one of those things that, um, due to the times and you know financial situations, is a bi- big thing that the Red Cross is participating sure. in. Sure.
2: So now, when you say emergency uh, food and shelters, I mean, what's what's the time frame for folks if they do if they are facing that? Right,
9: it's not a permanent fix. It's kind of one of those quick fixes, kind of put a bandy down and help you get to that next step. But there's a lot of resources. It's kind of like the Red Cross is a middleman for a lot of things. Um, You know, in your time of need, the Red Cross is always there and tries to get you back on your feet. So it isn't a permanent fix. It's Mm -hmm. a a temporary shelter, temporary um, food, Um, about two days as usually we give out.
2: I see. And then do you uh, are you are you networked with other groups to try and get them Absolutely. to that next step? Absolutely. What what kind of folks do you work with typically? Um,
9: all the shelters here in our area. We have a lot of resources that we give out for free, such as legal aid if they've been wrongfully evicted, and we've seen mm-hmm. a lot more of that lately. Um, and getting them back on their feet, and we're using other resources throughout the community to really help them out too.
2: I see. So now, you, you of course, with emergency preparedness, you're talking about uh, Red Cross Live, getting that, that word out there about what, so what other kinds of things can, can people get involved with the Red Cross? I mean, there's emergency food and shelter, you mentioned, things like that. What else can, can people get involved with?
9: Um, they can get involved in health and safety. I always tell people that are interested in with the Red Cross and getting involved. The very first thing you should do is take a first aid or CPR class because that's a really good step to get involved with Red Cross because every single volunteer and every single employee has to have that. So it's all, it's a really good start. I see.
2: And are you getting uh, people involved with one, one aspect of the Red Cross more than another or?
9: Um, not really. We just want to get people in to see what the Red Cross is really about, and let them make that decision for themselves. Um, we want to make sure that they're comfortable, and you know, everybody has their specific talents and things that they like to do. And the Red Cross is going to offer that for them. Whether you're young or whether you're old, we have something for you to do.
2: So, personally speaking, what what got both of you involved with with the Red Cross, uh, Melissa? Do you want to? All right, sorry excuse me, Amber. And Melissa was in just <laughs> a moment okay. ago. <laughs>
8: Um, what got me involved was I saw advertise. <clears throat> excuse me. On a, it used to be Spartan Track. Um, they were hiring for AmeriCorps members in it. I belong to the AmeriCorps. Together we prepare, um, which was works in disaster services um, of the American Red Cross. Um, it just seemed like an, uh, something I would want to get. Involved in, um, I'd, I think everybody's kind of heard of the Red Cross before. Really, all, only I had heard of like the blood services, and I figured it might be an organization, good entry level way to get uh, kind of get involved in the community.
2: Mm-hmm. I say, and, and Tyler,
9: um, I actually started at thirteen when I took my first first aid and CPR class. Oh wow, you guys started so, early. <laughs> yeah, I started real early, um, and I've just been involved ever since with. Health and safety, and that's kind of branched off into a lot of different things. Like you were saying, it's like a, it's a really good networking thing. Once you get into the Red Cross, I mean, you can go anywhere with it. Yeah. Any Type of degree you have, anything you can really use it in the Red Cross.
2: I'm sure. Now, are you looking to use that to to your advantage to do something something else, or do you want to stick with the Red Cross?
9: Um, um yeah. Somewhere? You know, it's like one of those things. You're always going to be with the Red Cross wherever you go. They'll um, never let you go. Yeah, that's right. They never <laughs> let you go. Yeah,
2: no, but now, what what uh, what sort of uh, aspects of the Red Cross do you want to? stay involved with.
9: Um, health and safety is one of my uh passions, really, for the Red Cross. Uh, not only because it's my first thing to do, but that's what my career choice is going to be. Right now, I'm a senior at Holt High School, and um, I'm going through the EMT Academy at LCC. So, it's obviously a, a big part of my life. That's going to be my career choice. So, um, it is important. I think I really take a passion in being able to teach other people how to save lives. So, it's really important to me to do that.
2: That's pretty feels feels pretty rewarding oh, too. Yeah, I'm sure. Really good. <laughs> Have you had to put your uh, your your CPR skills, any kind of emergency skills, to to work? Uh? Yeah. I I had to
9: yeah. do it a couple times. Um, really, it's one of those things you want to know how to do well, but you never actually want to have to do. It, right, so, right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's well said. <laughs> so now, what about you, Amber? I mean, what do you do? You hope to carry the the Red Cross, uh, you know, in the future? Do you would are you kind of in it for now, and you want to maybe you, you mentioned you work with the AmeriCorps as well?
8: Right. My um my uh, term of service is up in July, um, but I I've decided that I do. Want to stay with the Red Cross. Um, in addition to being involved with disaster services, I'm involved with international social services, uh, which is where we try to reunite um, families that have, from refugees in the area, hmm. that have been separated from their families due to some type of war or strife. Um, we still do Holocaust and World War II tracing. Uh, recently, about a year ago, my boss um, reunited uh, a woman that had been in a concentration camp with one of her good friends. Oh, wow. Um, and that is. Like he was talking about health and safety is his passion. International social services, I absolutely love. Um, it's a great, great aspect of the Red Cross, and I hope to keep being involved with that.
2: Excellent. Uh, now, if, if folks want to get involved with the Red Cross, we're kind of running short here on <laughs> time. But uh, what would you recommend to them if they wanted to either you know start to, uh, for for education or just for other reasons.
9: Give us a call or come down to the chapter, see what we have, talk to one of us. We'll be more than happy to show you what we have. And, you know, I've been with the Red Cross for about four years now, and I really didn't have too much of an idea about the International Social Services. So it's really a great organization and a lot of stuff that you can do.
2: Got a, got a long reach to Absolutely. the International Red Cross, mm-hmm. of course. Yep. But uh, now the number I have is area code 517-484-7461. Does that sound right?
9: Yep,
8: that's right. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Okay,
2: and of course, there's also midmichiganredcross.org. Lots of great information there as well. Yep. So anything else we've uh, left out? You might want to touch on before we go?
8: No, it sounds like we've pretty much covered it. All right. Well, again, uh,
2: thanks so much, you guys, for coming by. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with more Impact Exposure in just a minute.
0: You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact.
7: When you get up in the morning and turn on the radio, you don't want to hear those other guys talking on your way to work, do you? You don't want to hear talking. You want to hear music. So here at The Impact, we are making you a promise. We're calling it the More Music Mornings 89 Play.
2: Right, we are back with more exposure. We were just speaking with uh, Tyler and Amber, who are here from the uh, Red Cross to talk about American Red Cross Month, and of course, more information on that and the Red Cross itself available at midMichiganRedCross.org or by calling five one seven four eight four seven four six one. Moving along, we're sitting down with uh, Peter from Scene uh, MetroSpace again, sort of friend of the show, I guess we can call you now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now you've got uh, you've got a, a, an exhibit going on right now, is that right?
5: Um, yeah featuring uh, an exhibit called transparent through april 20th that is 15 artists responding to the word transparent in many different ways
2: so that's uh, multiple mediums then right not just painting or the conventional ones people might think of
5: yeah there's a photography and sculpture there is some painting um and there are some kind of mixed media pieces that fall into the cracks uh that are neither painting or drawing, but a little bit of everything
2: I say so now they're not just it's not just making the piece transparent, it's also responding to sort of the concept of what transparent is is that right?
5: yeah, I actually found it was kind of a slippery word because uh, uh almost all of the things that represent transparency to us have some sort of reflectivity to them or you know. Nothing is perfectly transparent is really kind of the conclusion that the show comes to.
2: So what are some of the pieces that have caught your eye that that are in the exhibit right now? I mean, Not to single anyone out is better than anyone else, of course, but something that that comes to mind when you think of the exhibit.
5: There is a really stunning sculptural piece that you will sometimes see uh, lit up at night because it is illuminated from the inside, but it's covered with something like 25 pounds of beeswax, uh, and it's this big metal welded spiral. It's very cool, and it's probably the best smelling sculpture that we've ever had.
2: I bet. <laughs> wow. Uh, and then, how about how big would you say that is? It's
5: about four feet wide, about four feet tall.
2: Wow, that's a lot of beeswax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what what other kind of pieces uh, come to mind? But uh, about transparent,
5: um, there are some really kind of uh, simple and and he calls them geographic poetry photographs of like. Of just chunks of ice floating in the water. There are uh, some watercolor paintings that kind of play with the idea of like emotional transparency. Hmm. Um, there uh, is a painting by Anthony Vasquez that is uh, about um, f- kind of feeling the, the gaze of your elders. It's a person like pulling up their shirt to see their skeleton and their insides underneath.
2: And wow,
5: it's just kind of a neat piece.
2: Yeah. So now, where where are you getting these exhibits or these pieces from? Is this from around the area nationally
5: about half of them are from the lansing area and we have apparently been getting the word out in some pretty far places there's a uh, a piece from a town in texas that i i'm hesitating to try to pronounce <laughs> it's like knock or something like okay. that i never heard of it um, <laughs> but there's some really excellent pieces that uh, came up from there and uh, a local uh, Woman who's going to school out in Pullman, Washington, recruited oh. some of her fellow uh, grad students out there to send some pieces.
2: Or in the uh, Washington mm-hmm. State University area. I'm actually from the state myself, so okay. Yeah, um, yeah. My, our my old, old undergrad rival school out there. So, but I'm sure the pieces are still fantastic.
5: <laughs> There's some really nice
2: pieces. Well, now we were looking to get uh, Royce uh, Deans on the phone. Uh, my engineer t- Kevin telling me is that is that the case or. Yeah? All right. It uh, looks like it's on two. Should I go for it? Okay, he's got his fingers crossed. Let's see if we can manage this. Uh, Royce, are you there? Yes, I am. Excellent. All right. The technology worked. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. No problem. Well, now, you, you're you a painter. You have an exhibit. Uh, is it upcoming in Scene uh, Metrospace, or it's there now?
11: Uh, no, it will be uh, coming up. It's actually a, li- a live performance. Uh, I'll be painting with uh, movement, Tali Farhi and Ben O'Hughner know, from Holland.
2: And now, so, uh, how does a live uh, performance 29th work?
11: 29th and 30th of March.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. What were the dates on that?
11: 29th and 30th of March.
2: Excellent. So, you said this is a live performance. You're painting live. Is that right? Yes. Now, how does how does that work? I mean, I have, I have to imagine that a, a painted piece takes a long time to do. It's more than just an evening. Uh, how, how does it all work?
11: Uh, well, it's it's a it's live painting, and it's it's done to music, and it's uh, the painting is projected in a, on a large screen. Uh, and and while while dancing is taking place in front of the projector with shadow play, uh, as the painting is being developed, uh, while musicians are uh, you know improv- improvising.
2: I see. Now, is there a theme to it already, or is it more improvisational?
11: Completely improvisational.
2: So now, where do you get that that idea from? Is it from the audience, or just where does that come from?
11: Oh, oh it, it it comes internally. Uh, from, from uh, the members uh, that are participating at the moment.
2: Oh, I see. So whatever is going on, on on the stage is what inspires you.
11: Absolutely. And that, that's it. this is actually the second act of our performance. Uh, the, the first act uh, in, uh, is, is movement, uh, which is uh, an, a, an act of, uh, well, how can I say it? Uh, maybe I should let you talk to Tali and Beno at this point. Uh, and have them explain uh, a little bit better is to is to the, what they've developed as far as movement. That is kind of the the genesis and the and the catalyst of all of this uh, creativity. It's really an amazing show. Would you like to speak with one of them?
2: Please, yes.
11: Yeah, sure. Okay, here's Holly.
2: All right. Hello. Hi.
6: Hi.
2: Now you're one of the performers. That's right.
6: Yes, I'm the painter, the life painter.
2: Oh, I see. And so now, he was giving us a, a, a sort of a brief idea about how all this works. So go ahead and give us your interpretation of things.
6: Okay. So, as, as I'm standing in front of my table with my sketchbook and a camera above my work, which connected to a video projector, dimmer, all my work is projected in a very large screen. And in front of that screen stands Benno, the dancer, Benno Hubner, and he danced for, for in front of the screen, and I can see him. So I can follow his movements with the painting, with my brushes, and he follow my painting with his dance. So actually, I'm painting his movement, and he's dancing for my movement as well. So it's sort of a dialogue and collaboration between the dance, the modern dance, and a painting.
2: I see, so now, unique. What, about, what about, I mean, it is very unique, but what about it particularly appeals to you? What is it that you enjoy about doing, about uh, a performance of this type?
6: Oh, I enjoy having second of it, but my, five years ago, I started to challenge the, the movement in a drawing, in, in, in painting. Um, I'm an animator by profession, so the, the, I'm fascinated by movement. And that's how I start to create my own animation, live animation, actually, because I'm I'm dancing with the paint and moving it. So that's that's my challenge to to catch the movement while I'm painting.
2: I see. So now, is his his movement is is influencing you? Is what you're doing influencing his movements?
6: Exactly. Yeah.
2: I see. So uh, it's a two way street, then. I guess.
6: Yeah, we, we're having a simple dialogue, and and this dialogue is is with a with a long story but we we're starting as it's in my studio and slowly slowly it's become in my head uh sort of um we, we're having this conversation between the dance and the painting
2: i see so now you've done this before then
6: we're doing it for five years now oh wow and uh, we did it uh in holland of course we're doing it for a very, very long time in holland and in front of schools and, and kids, and and festivals all over, and abroad, in Israel and in South Africa. So we are quite trained with our own improvisation part. Yeah,
2: I see. So what um, what is it that the people who who are there to witness this? What is it that they typically get away get from it?
6: They get very emotional, actually, because it's it's touched everyone. Everyone can get. Some other part from the also from the technique, and I will pass you on to Beno because he's doing most of the technique, and I would like him to say. Oh,
2: certainly, you want and pass it along. Hello. Yes, hello.
6: Hi, this is Beno.
2: So now uh, she tells us that uh, that you're you're more of the person responsible for the techniques. Is that right?
6: Well, partly it's true. Yeah, I'm always fascinated by uh, all technical parts, and um, it was one of my ideas to. Uh, bring camera registrations in uh, in this project and to use uh, all different kind of techniques by a video mixer, like uh, blue screen techniques and uh, dancing with animations and, yeah.
2: Excellent. So now, uh, as far as this performance is concerned, what, what are some of the unique challenges and, and how do you approach them?
6: How do I approach
2: what? Oh, What are some of the, the, the more unique challenges to a performance like this?
6: Well, the challenge is to be completely uh, open and uh, not to make um, uh, things in advance and just to be open and uh, let the the art... Create in a moment.
2: I say, I say. Well, it's a, it's it's a very fascinating, uh, you know, form of art. Uh, it's something I've never really heard of before. So uh, we have, we're running a little short on time here, but uh, I want to thank you all for for joining us today.
6: Well, thank you for calling us.
2: Certainly, absolutely. We're, uh, just to, to recap, of course, the performance is going on uh, at the end of this month, uh, March twenty ninth and thirtieth. Is that right?
6: Exactly in East Lansing.
2: Excellent. Okay. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Right, take care. Bye. And, now, uh, now, Peter, w- were you the one responsible for bringing the, the group on?
5: Actually, uh, Royce Deans, uh, who was the first person speaking, contacted me about them uh, planning a, a potential U.S. tour, and we were able to include them in our scheduling.
2: I see. Yeah. And uh, and what what about it appealed to you?
5: I really like mixing the disciplines. To me, uh, one of the most exciting part of Scene Metro Space's mission statement is the whole idea of getting the filmmakers and the painters together or getting the dancers and the poets together or like cross-disciplinary things that once you get these people together they kind of go from there and they create new things that are exciting and different
2: sure i'm sure that that sort of challenge about bringing a a new look to art is always there and that this is a a very unique way of 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 tackling that i would think
5: Mm -hmm. i'm i'm pretty fascinated to see how it turns out and they are uh they have recruited some uh, local musicians to improvise with them, mm, excellent. Um, uh, Nate Blyton, who is a compositional major uh, here, and some members of a band that alternately goes by the name Library and Folio, oh. uh, that began as a cover band of the books.
2: Oh. Wow. (laughs) Excellent. So now, uh, again, like I mentioned, we are running a little short here, but uh, uh, is there anything else you'd like to add about the event? Uh, Any any information about that or anything else coming up?
5: Uh, No, other than that uh, March 29th is an evening show. On the 30th, there's both an afternoon show at 2 and another evening show. Both of those are at 8 o'clock.
2: Okay, excellent. And, of course, your address over at 110 Charles Street. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And, of course, more information available at uh, scenemetrospace.com. Peter, again, uh, thanks for coming by. It's always a pleasure.
5: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me back.
2: Certainly. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back with more Exposure in just a moment.
0: You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact.
10: Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council.
4: For more variety than you'll hear
1: on any other station, listen to The Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week.
7: Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, The Impact's progressive torch and, torch and twang
0: brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music.
8: Only
0: on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432 432- 432 and now back to exposure. All right, we're back with more
2: exposure. We were just sitting down with uh, Peter and, of course, all the folks that are being, that will be at uh, Scene Metrospace later on uh, ten, this month with their uh, sort of interpretive painting performance. Uh, if you caught that interview, I'm sure you can understand how it's hard to qualify that. But, of course, more information available on that and all of Scene Metrospace is available at scenemetrospace.com. Uh, moving right along, we're sitting down with uh, a whole host of folks here to talk about the uh, homecoming court. Uh, thanks, everybody, for, for coming by.
4: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
2: Certainly. Now, you guys are in the middle of uh, of taking applications for the next homecoming court. Is that right?
4: That's right. Applications, uh, the deadline's actually this Friday. This Friday, all right. If anyone's interested, um, we're just here to talk a little bit about our experience on the homecoming court and uh, how you can get involved if you're interested.
2: Certainly. So now, how's how's the application process been so far? Are you getting uh, a lot of folks who who want to be on the court?
13: They've actually uh, restructured it this year. In the past, they had... Uh, current seniors and it started in September and they go through the process put the paper portion and then interviews and then they name the court near the end of September just before you know, homecoming season but this year they, they're already starting with now they're calling for juniors and they're going to go through the process this spring so by the time this school year ends they already know the up- upcoming homecoming court for next year they're so from go. day one yeah. from classes in the fall so Excellent. they're coming in I don't know the numbers per se <laughs> trying to get the word out and encourage people if they are interested in this.
2: Certainly. Now, are all of you on the court? Is that safe to say?
13: Technically. Yes. I mean, you think of Homecoming more of the fall of 2007, but They've kind of considered us more as for the whole calendar school year. I see.
10: We're not quite yeah. has-beens yet. Okay. <laughs> You're, <not> quite- <laughs> <laughs> You're almost has-beens. Almost.
2: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so what, but just go, go ahead and give us an idea. Maybe we'll go, we'll go around. I'll start with you, Mark. Just kind of give us an idea about what your experience on the homecoming court has been and, and what you've gotten out of it.
4: Well, um,
10: I mean, the one thing that I really appreciated about being on homecoming court was being able to interact with uh, a lot of different Spartans um, on, on a lot of different levels. Um, you know, we spend a lot of he- time here, four years, sometimes more. Um, <laughs> seldom less. Um, hopefully not less. But uh, you spend a lot of time here, and you you get to meet and interact with people. But there's, it's just, it's so broad. This institution's so broad and so huge that there's just so many great people out there that are just as passionate and enthusiastic about Michigan State University and everything we offer here. And that's why I look forward, uh, or that's what I look forward to and that's why I really appreciated most about it. I mean, it was a great time uh, overall. Nick, I let you pick up.
13: Yeah, everything Mark said, just meeting some of these wonderful people who I would have never met before I left campus, not only just, you know, the fine other peers, my my court members, but also we got to go to really neat functions, uh, a little bit more formal, the grand awards ceremony or the homecoming brunch, and we got to really network and meet some of these just, I mean, just looking back, I mean, some of them were, or most of them were MSU undergrads. And they went to graduate school now. They're in the real world, and they're building hospitals in India, and they're they're donating tons of money to help, you know, build museums and, at the college. So it's just, as Mark said, just seeing these wonderful people, and then also even, the ones that you do read in the paper every day, even like President Simon, I had never met her. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have met her, I don't think, before I left campus. So sort those. of great opportunities, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: So now, Evan, what what would you say? I mean, what, what, what have you gotten out of it? Uh,
4: you know, for me, b- being on the homecoming court was really a chance um, to kind of realize how many different people the university brings together. And um, through, you know, riding in a convertible in the parade, which we all got to do, to um, uh, just kind of stepping out onto that field at the, uh, at the homecoming game, um was a chance to really look at how many um different people the university affects um, at every really every day and also uh, kind of during the special uh, ceremonies and situations. So um, seeing it bring together all those people was uh, just an amazing opportunity.
2: Sure, sure. Some great perks there, of course, you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> good, yeah. of of <laughs> Melanie, we're going to you know, kind of end with you on this question. But, uh, I mean, of course, after they've mentioned everything else, what?
12: Yes.
2: <laughs> what <laughs> they, so they took all the good stuff. I I'm sure have you can also mention say,
12: something. writing in my Model A roster for the parade, being able to get on the um, you be out on the field where it all goes down to be mm-hmm. able to be the center of attention um we were the representation for mSU this year and I definitely say that they picked some extraordinary people some extraordinary candidates and we stood strong worked together never had um some of us had encountered each other before some of us had never met each other before and so just having that opportunity and just me personal just even as a woman African- American woman you know I have a lot of people calling me like how do I apply in this? Mm-hmm. and this is you know I kind of set the ground and set the set the um, Table and set everything for that standard, and it's a good feeling. And I had a great time and met a whole lot of wonderful people.
2: It's gonna be pretty rewarding, though, not mm-hmm. just to be the face of the mm-hmm. school, but also to sort of inspire people right. like that. Yes. so that's that's pretty that's pretty mm-hmm. amazing. Now uh, we will go, go back around the other way, okay. but we'll start with you this time, so <laughs> we don't have to put you, know, put you at the end. <laughs> I know. How about that, Mark? I'll be a lie. I'm <laughs> <just> gonna make <laughs> awesome.
11: perfect. That's exactly
2: what exposure is all about. Uh, <laughs> know, uh, what would you? Is there something that you've learned about this that you didn't you didn't know, or maybe you? a misconception about the school or the court or, or just people in general? I mean, what is it something that, that you took out of it that you didn't even expect when you started?
12: Uh, the unity. Um, of course, like you said, coming to a... I've been here for four years. Um, it Just coming to a new environment, it was something that was a challenge for me and just being able to adapt to many different people many different backgrounds and be able to have that unity once again meeting people that i had never met before mm-hmm. and being able to talk with them communicate with them and build a relationship i have to say that was one of the most rewarding experiences and something that i didn't think that was going to come so easily but just came right off the hand right sure. off the bat so and a skill i'm
2: sure i'll be able to mm-hmm. use a lot in the future yes. too so evan what about you
4: I think being on the homecoming court, as Melnevia mentioned, you're expected to represent the university. Mm-hmm. And um, for people um, that are interested in applying, they should you know, think about the experiences they've had on campus and why they might be a good representative uh, for this school. Um, some of the events that we had the chance to represent the student body at um, that, that I really remember um, were probably the grand awards ceremony mm-hmm. where I think um, the students don't normally get to interact with uh, alumni, unfortunately, and with mm-hmm. uh, you know the higher up administration from MSU. So it was really great to get that perspective and uh, you know think about the things that they're currently working on and the things that they're worried about, um, while we're just trying to you know get through that next exam.
2: Sure, sure. <laughs> now, what about you? What would you say? I mean, what did you learn? What you what did you not expect? Uh, they kind of t- coming they take together <laughs>
13: from, yeah, seeing it, yeah, from the parade where you see the community kind of come together from two years old to 82 years old, you know, people have this passion as, and we're not just a college town, we're not just ordinary town, it's kind of a, it's a conglomeration of it all and, you know, we affect the community and the community affects us, but mm. still we were kind of, you know, the term that came up was we were student ambassadors and, you know, it was neat kind of seeing the connection between students and campus and administration and alumni and just... That's what's homecoming. That's what I think of when you think of homecoming. Not just football game, not just parade, but mm-hmm. what it all represents is this pride for college, and whether you went there or not,
2: to all kind of come together and,
13: sure, and celebrate. Take Part. Yeah. yeah,
2: absolutely. Now, Mark, of course you had some time to, to lie or yeah. to come yeah. up with at least something creative. <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, wrote a
10: Mad Lib. <laughs> oh, no, <my> <laughs> um, no what, what it was, what homecoming, what I learned most, I guess, was... Um, uh, I guess a personal lesson, and I saw it in a lot of people, in that um, um, time here at Michigan State is about growth and about learning. And, um, I mean, the, I can remember um, being my first couple weeks in campus in Case Hall, getting my first paper back and thinking, I'm going home. I'm ready. I'm going home. Uh, thanks for the 2.0, on that paper. Uh But I mean, things shape up, and you grow as an individual. And I mean, just that was really, um, I guess, a, a moment that I'll never forget. Just the the entire homecoming, where I realized it was kind of a culmination of my experience as a Spartan, and um, you know, the in the growth that it was experienced. I think a lot of people, a lot of people share a similar story
2: well now uh, so if folks you know hearing all this, if you know the, if this is appealing to them, being the student ambassador, being on the in the convertible i mean all the, all the great <laughs> yeah. perks, but all the really rewarding stuff too i mean what, what would you recommend for them to to get involved how would i mean obviously applications are being accepted right now what what what's the what's the next step
4: you know i think uh, well before the applications i think yeah. um, i a story that each of us has told is uh, really about finding something here at MSU that you're passionate about um and that you're you know you look forward to uh, working with uh, whether it's what you're studying or you know a favorite pastime of yours i think uh it's really interesting that um all 10 members of the court really had very varied experiences at Michigan State um and yet we're still able to come to the homecoming court and contribute Um, with widely different backgrounds. Hmm. Uh, But after that, we have some details on how you can actually apply.
2: Certainly, yeah. Go ahead and uh, let us know.
4: Um, You can, on the web, of course, it's our main
13: avenue of doing things these days. Certainly. Uh, www.msualum.com, and there's a link right on the page that reiterates some of the things that we've said, photos from the past, obviously the applications and... uh, it's not a huge commitment to 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 apply I not mean, it's not a huge divers so view. people who are just giving it a consideration that it's feasible to complete the back and i would and pool. I would
12: definitely say just make sure again, as having said that you're the cream of the crop, you know, mm-hmm. like they selected the cream of the crop, and we want to continue that legacy. Make sure that you bring that integrity, that strength, that community involvement, that high energy, and just know that you are the representation of the, um, university again, as we were. And as I said before, one of the opportunities I had was to, the women, be able to speak at the Women's Leadership Conference, which mm-hmm. was the first for us. And so it was a great opportunity to speak to different women and show that leadership and portray that image as, as strong women on campus. And so just to be able to, to have those aspects and those characteristics is make sure you come strong, stay confident and bring it to the table.
2: You have to be at least as good as the people you're listening to right now. (laughs) At least. That's a a tall order.
10: I think the the bottom line is too is uh, along with uh, uh, what was just said is be yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a huge part of mm-hmm. it is the individuality piece. Everybody's a little bit different, um, and everybody treats Michigan State uh, differently. They've had a different experience here. So it's about celebrating being a Spartan, so go out and enjoy it. I
2: think mm-hmm. it's something everybody can get behind. Well, we're running just a bit short on time here, but uh, thanks, everybody, for coming by. Is there anything, any last quick words you want to leave anyone with, uh, you know, people, potential applicants, anything?
12: Have fun. Good luck. And um, talk slowly. Answer the questions to the fullest of your your ability, and, and you do well.
2: Excellent. of course, <laughs> be yourself.
10: Much. And uh, go green. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. All
2: right. Thank you. Well, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with more Impact Exposure in just a minute.
0: You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. And now, back to Exposure. All right. We're going to wrap
2: things up here on Impact Exposure. We were just speaking with uh, four of the ten uh, members of the Homecoming Court, of course, if you're interested in applying to that. Uh, lots of information available at MSU Alum. That's com, And of course, information on the Homecoming group itself available at homecoming.msu.edu. Uh, last group of the night, rather just last person of the night at this point, uh, <laughs> we're sitting down with uh, Angela, who's here to talk about the AMA Run for Access to Care for Everyone. Of course, that's the acronym for race. We were just speaking about that earlier. It's a 5K race. Is that right?
14: It's a 5k challenge race uh, to benefit the uninsured. It's actually the first um, 5k challenge race that we've ever uh, put together through the AMA. Um, It's to benefit the Ingham County Health Department Saturday Clinic, um, also known as the Friendship Clinic, which is a little bit shorter to say. Hmm. Um, But it's a a Saturday morning clinic that's basically uh, geared towards it was originally geared towards the homeless population, but uh, has expanded to serve the medically to serve the homeless population and the medically underserved um, in the Lansing area, which is,
2: I'm sure, a sizable group as well. I mean, yeah, you know, given the, the we've talked a lot of it tonight about different with different groups about uh, sort of the economic problems that are that Michigan's facing right now. And mm-hmm. Is that a group that you see growing, unfortunately, or is that uh, just something that that someone's just haven't been uh, served enough?
14: Um, I mean, definitely with the the elections and you know everything that's going on with the AMA, it's there's a lot of Kind of at least more, um, more of a spotlight on on that kind of population, and I hope that it doesn't grow. But you yeah. know, seeing the way that the economy is, that it, it may happen.
2: I say. So uh, a little, little bit happier topic, though. Of course, the race <laughs> itself. Uh, <laughs> so now, is this the this is not the first one that that the group has done, right? Or is it?
14: Um, it's the first one that the AMI, the local A M A chapter has uh, put on. I say. So, where this is a brand new race. Um, it's going to happen right here on MSU's campus, and. Um, it's you know it's a challenge race so we're gonna have prizes and all sorts of fun stuff for for all the different age groups we have six age groups. So. Is this
2: something people have to sign up for ahead of time? Or Is it just show up?
14: Um, you can do either. Okay. Uh, if you want to sign up ahead of time, there is actually a pre-registration discount. So.
2: Oh okay. And is that online? Cool. Do you have to do that in person?
14: If you you can do it online. If you go to the Playmakers website, it's uh, www.playmakers.com and look for uh, look at the event schedule or the event calendar that they have and. Uh, the race, you know, it's called 5K race. It happens. Mm-hmm. It's happening April sixth. So you should there's be able a discount,
2: to... of course, for doing that. So right. definitely something uh, to people's advantage if they if they mm-hmm. go on the Playmakers website. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, of course, April sixth, uh, starting at 9 a.m.
14: 9 a.m. Okay, yeah.
2: and then and where? So what's the what's the route for this for this um, race?
14: It's happening all over MSU's campus. I think there's a there's a set route that they do for all of the 5k races so. i see
2: so where would people go to meet then if they were uh, getting involved if they just show up out of the blue where where should they just show up at
14: <laughs> um the packet pickup is on the north side of east fee hall it's a common area between fee and conrad halls uh, it's beginning and we'll start with registration at 8 a- 8 a.m
2: okay so just in case they didn't get it to get to the website in time there's mm-hmm. still plenty of time to do if, if they get there at eight uh so now that you mentioned the friendship clinic, uh, just kind of the thing, this is this is benefiting, of course. Um, why why that why benefit that and why do it through a, a race like this?
14: Well, um, the acronym kind of you know puts it all together. The Run for Access to Care for Everyone, and it's in, it's in, definitely in line with the AMA's um, goals to get care for everyone or access to have access to care and for medical care for everyone. So. Um, the lo- the Frenchman Clinic is actually the Saturday morning clinic. is twice a month. Um, oh. It's run by volunteer physicians from the local area as well as medical students from both the osteopathic school and the the College of Human Medicine. So
2: okay, and that takes place at Sparrow, or where is that at?
14: Um, it happens right near. It's actually kind of across the street from Sparrow's Hospital. Oh, okay,
2: it's- and so that's something that's open to. Just basically everybody at this point, I suppose, right? Uh, so now, the the reason for for benefiting this group uh, is it something like I, we kind of touched on this earlier, but something that just wasn't getting enough attention, or why why this specifically as opposed to something else the the group might focus on. You you mentioned sort of the mission statement. Is that is that about it?
14: Yeah. Um. You know, the AMA has gotten a lot of uh, attention, and and they're trying to raise awareness for. Um, the fact that there is this disparity in health care access for so many different people and there are a lot of uninsured and you know in not just in michigan not just in lansing but all across the nation sure um so just in line with that you know their goals and their mission statements for their for um their proposals um our a local amen chapter just decided that uh, we should we wanted to to do something to support that and we mm-hmm. wanted to benefit something that we do here locally
2: and that took uh, took the form of a of a 5K challenge run. Uh, why why that why that kind of uh, fundraiser?
14: I mean, most uh, I guess a lot of us are runners, and we you know we enjoy doing things for charity and 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 doing things that will kind of give back and sure. and it's a good way to you know promote healthiness and promote um, exercise and you know get people out there and just kind of have a good day to you know promote this. Uh, the mission statement. Sure.
2: Now, uh, personally speaking, are you going to be out uh, participating as well in the run itself?
14: Um, I won't be in the run itself because I'm going to have to...
2: You'll have to work at it, I suppose. Help
14: (laughs) help organize everything. But if I could, I definitely would.
2: (laughs) Now, uh, have you gotten uh, any any sort of... um, uh has, have folks been speaking with you about it beforehand, like you know, that they're they're dedicated runners or is it more just, you know, they're out to support the charity? I mean, what's the sort of balance you've been hearing from from folks? Um
14: I mean we're looking for all anyone that's interested, you know, most some people are some runners are pretty hardcore and they'll go, you know, right. all over the place to find some something to <laughs> the run The Perfect
2: in. shoes and R- the you exactly. Know, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
14: but it's the strategically
2: it's, placed band aids, I guess.
14: <laughs> like more aerodynamic. Right, right, right. Um it it's you know, it's a five K, it's not a marathon. It's right. It's a great way to just, you know, on a Sunday morning just to go out and get some exercise, if anything, and support a really good cause.
2: And hopefully the uh, the weather will participate. If you have hopefully. you uh, taking a look at any uh, early weather estimates or anything? Uh no,
14: but we're hoping that it's in April. So, but this is Michigan. So. Right,
2: right. I mean, it was sleeting last night. So, uh, you know, hopefully it'll hopefully it'll uh, cooperate. So, uh, just to recap, of course, this is the AMA Run for Access to Care for everyone. That's Race, of course, the acronym for that. And uh, is there any place you could direct folks to go to for more information? I know you mentioned that uh, Playmakers has a registration on there. Is there another group too? Um,
14: that's Basically the information or the entry form is there for the um, the race itself. If you want to know more about the AMA's proposal, you can go to the AMA website. Um it's just I believe it's AMA.org. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can there's the Friendship Clinic does have a website as well. It's if you search it through I think if you search it through um, the College of Human Medicine
2: Oh, okay. Page. So on the College for of Human, Human Medicine's website, people can find more about the Friendship Clinic. Yeah, they're Excellent. Here. So, of course, uh, Playmakers.com, the place to go for registration for the actual race itself. More info available at the uh, MSU... Co- Sorry, I, I just... I, you just said it, and I totally forgot. the, the MSU College of Human Medicine. College of Human Medicine. I knew I had some of those words right <laughs> for information on the Friendship Clinic, and of course, that's what the uh, the race is benefiting. And of course, the race itself going on uh, Sunday, April 6th, starting at 9 a.m., but registration begins at 8 if you didn't you get a chance to make it to the Playmakers website. Uh to be, north side of Fee Hall, 8 a.m. again for that registration. Uh, all to benefit the, uh, the the Friendship Clinic. So, uh, Angela, thanks uh, so much for coming by.
14: Thank you. For all us.
2: right, you bet. So now, uh, in case you missed any of tonight's show, we do uh, podcast. All of our shows available online at Impact89FM.org. Uh, this has been Impact Exposure. We're gonna throw things over to the Progressive Torch and Twang. There, get. I can see them getting set up over there right now, getting the headphones on or cans, as uh, as they say in the industry. Oh, Corinna is scrambling, scrambling. To to get some papers in in order for uh, for their show tonight. I wouldn't sweat it. It's always a great show. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening tonight. Uh, We're going to switch things over to the Progressive Torch and Twang right here on Impact 89 FM. Thanks a lot for listening.
1: Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.